Welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where our goal is to help Christians love and live out God's Word. My name is Jesse Randolph. I'm the pastor-teacher of Indian Hills Community Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast, and joining me on the podcast today is Mike Gendron, who is the founder and director of Proclaiming the Gospel, a ministry based in South Lake, Texas, which is, as it sounds, focused on equipping Christians to proclaim the gospel. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today on the Sound Words Podcast. Well, it's really a privilege to join you on this podcast. Jesse, thanks for having me. Great. Well, as you know and recall, we've crossed paths in different ways, Mike. Uh, We're connected through ministries like For the Gospel, and we've seen each other at certain conventions and conferences. It's just great to sit with you and have this conversation with you in this uh, podcast format. And normally... I will provide a uh, brief biographical sketch of our guest. But today, since my first question for you, Mike, is tied directly to your biography and specifically your spiritual biography, I'm just going to jump right into it and ask you, uh, what's your story? Uh, How did the Lord save you? And how did that lead to you starting this ministry, Proclaiming the Gospel? Oh, I love to give a testimony of God's amazing grace in my life because For 35 years of my life, I was trapped in religious deception, and I didn't even know it. I believed I belonged to the one true church, the Roman Catholic Church, and I was a very devout Catholic, a strong defender of the faith. And and it was about, um, oh, after I'd been an altar boy for seven years, and I taught high school Christian doctrine, and I was responsible for bringing the first Little Rock Scripture study to a Catholic church in the Dallas area, And that's patterned after Bible study fellowship. So for the first time, I opened the Bible at age 35, and I began reading it. And what I was reading was really troubling to me because it went against what I've been taught as a Catholic as far as what must I do to be saved? How can I be right with God? And so as I went through this crisis of faith, I struggled with, should I believe Christ and his word or the teachings and traditions of my religion? My uncle was a Catholic priest, and I I remember calling him and just asking him, why is the Bible opposed to the Catholic plan of salvation? And he said, well, it's not. Give me an example. And so I quoted Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works so that no man may boast. My uncle, the priest, said, my God doesn't really mean what he's saying there. And so I was really troubled that he would really have the mind of God, if you will, and say that he doesn't really mean that. So I kept reading, and and the more I read, the more I realized it was impossible to believe both. And and then I just cried out to the Lord, and he granted me repentance and gave me eyes to see the, the glory of the gospel. And And I exchanged my religion for a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Later on, I I look back after studying Martin Luther, and and my conversion was very similar to him. It was the Word of God and the Spirit of God bringing life to a soul that was so deceived by a false and fatal gospel. And so after I was saved and I left the Catholic Church and began worshiping in an evangelical church that had a high view of Scripture and a high view of God, and I began growing just exponentially. I found myself in a different Bible study every morning of the week before I went to my job. And shortly there, I don't know, I guess it was within nine, ten months, I just had a desire to learn the Bible more in-depthly. 
And so I left my corporate career and I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and, and spent three years learning the Bible. My last semester there, I was introduced to a video by former priests and nuns, and, and they were sharing the gospel with the Catholics that they left behind. And, and I brought it home and shared it with my wife, and she also was a former Catholic. And after watching it, we just felt compelled to reach back into the Catholic Church and share the gospel with all those precious souls that we left behind. And we began inviting people over to our home every Tuesday night to share a gospel video and to answer their questions. And within three months, we saw 17 Roman Catholics exchange their religion for a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what do you do with new babes in Christ? Well, we began inviting them back on Wednesday night to help them grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Jesse, we didn't know it, but at the time, that was really the genesis of what we're doing today, the genesis of our ministry proclaiming the gospel, because the people started asking us to develop some gospel tracts and newsletters and information that they could share with their Catholic loved ones. And then churches began inviting me in to equip their congregations to reach out to what we consider is the world's largest and most neglected mission field. It's made up of 1.3 billion Catholics, and the body of Christ needs to know how to reach them. So we have uh, been around the world several times in the last 32 years, equipping not only the body of Christ through churches, but also through seminaries and the Master's Academy International. Wherever there's a strong Catholic population, we've been invited in to equip the saints to be effective witnesses to this huge mission field. Wow. Praise the Lord. What an amazing testimony of the Lord's grace in, in your life and in, in your wife's life and how he's sent you back into that mission field. Like you said, I mean, 1.3 billion individuals, uh, image bearers, people will give an account to their maker one day. That's a staggering percentage of the world's population. And there's just so much deceit and so much um, blindness and Praise the Lord that for the heart he's given you to go back into the into the burning building, mm -hmm. as it were, as, as a new convert, as a new creation, and minister that that very group of people. Praise God. What a wonderful testimony. During those years uh, since we've been doing it now, we've developed a lot of wonderful resources that have really been very effective in bringing the gospel to Roman Catholics. And, and Jesse, the way I teach is I teach antithetical. I show what the truth is and then show what opposes the truth. And so we've developed these resources that show the truth of God's word right alongside what the Catholic Church teaches. So it really forces Catholics to do the same thing I did. Choose, am I going to trust Christ in his word or the teachings of my religion? Amen. Well, Mike, what are some of the more notable false teachings that come out of the Roman Catholic Church, and, and where do they originate? And I understand this is a Pretty broad and massive question going back through all those uh, centuries of church history. But if you could narrow it down to just a, a couple of false teachings that come out of that institution, that church, and where they came from, would you be willing to, to educate us on that? Well, sure. Most notable is the false and fatal gospel of works righteousness that denies the all-sufficient work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Roman Catholics have a gospel that is under divine condemnation by those who teach it because they've added and distorted the gospel. In fact, uh, we know from Galatians 1, 6 to 9, when 
the Apostle Paul brought a divine curse down on the Judaizers, it was because they added one requirement to the gospel. The Catholic Church requires baptism and sacraments and good works to be justified, and they require penance to have punishment remitted. They, do. they also require purgatory as a means to purge sins and the sacrifice of the Mass, which continues the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on an altar that he finished on the cross. And so the Catholics also have to keep the law in order to be saved. So if the Judaizers were under a condemnation for adding one requirement, you can see how much more distorted the Roman Catholic gospel is. And so that's why we we witness to Roman Catholics because the very nature of deception is that people do not know they're deceived until they're confronted with the truth. And they won't know that they have a false gospel until we present the clear and complete gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another, what I call the trilogy of deception that is very prevalent which within Roman Catholicism. And it finds its source from Satan's first lie in the garden. You remember he told Eve, you surely shall not die if you disobey God. Well, this is the Catholic doctrine of venial sin. They teach that venial sin does not cause death, only temporal punishment. And so this led the Roman Catholic Church to perpetuate another lie, and that is the lie of an intermediate state called purgatory, where temporal punishment from venial sins is paid for. And this led to a third lie of the trilogy, and that is indulgences, which the Roman Catholic Church says can remit temporal punishment for sin. So this trilogy of deception blinds Catholics from the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. And uh, John MacArthur has called purgatory the safety net for Catholics. And we really need to be aware of what Catholics believe when we witness to them, because most Catholics believe all they do is commit venial sins, which do not send them to hell, only to a temporal place of punishment and purgatory. So the source of all lies is the angel of light, Satan himself. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it's not surprising that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light because his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. So the father of lies is the source of all deception within not only the Roman Catholic religion, but all false religions. Indeed, indeed, and what an important reminder you give us about the the the, the word of truth being uh, something we need to compare all religious systems to, right? So you you even linked Roman Catholic dogma and their 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 works based process of justification back to the Judaizers uh, of the Book of Acts and and Galatians. So what an important reminder to be in the Word, to be studying the Word, to see these patterns that we see. Um, it, it developed in modern false religious systems like the Catholic Church, which are really just recycled old false teachings, right? Recycled old uh, ways of thinking about justification. And I would say also what an important reminder to be studied, of course, in biblical uh, revelation and be biblically literate, but also to study church history and to see how these dogmas and, and teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and other false teaching groups developed over time because you can you can trace when they started in various ways and you can see where they departed and when they departed from biblical fidelity. 
Well, that's true. In fact, that's the sign of apostasy is when you depart from the authority of Scripture and then you start following pagan traditions or human traditions rather than the Word of God. And so all these false teachings come in because they no longer test everything with the supreme authority of God's Word. Right, right. Well, Mike, what what should Christians know before they share the the gospel with Roman Catholics? And and in other words, what should we focus in on in our conversations with with those who are affiliated with the Roman Catholic Church? Well, I'm so glad you asked that because so often I think we jump right into what the gospel is without first addressing the issue that we need to address with Roman Catholics. And that is, we must show them that the Word of God, the Bible, must be their supreme authority in all matters of faith. The Roman Catholic Church submits to three different authorities. They have the Bible as one, but they also have their sacred tradition, which goes against God's Word. And then they have their infallible teaching authority, which is made up of the magisterium of bishops. And also the Pope is said to be infallible whenever he speaks ex cathedra. So if you're a Roman Catholic, you don't have a supreme authority. You have these three that you submit to. But in actual practice, it's the bishops of the church that sit above scripture and tradition. And they do a masterful job of twisting the scripture in order to conform to their ungodly tradition. And so up front, we need to show Roman Catholics that the Bible must become their supreme authority. It's their only hope to know what is true and what is false. And we can point them to 2 Timothy 3.16, where Paul says we can use the word of God to expose or reprove any error. And then once we've exposed it, we can correct any false teaching with the authority of God's word. There is no higher authority than Almighty God, and he's revealed himself through his inspired, infallible, inerrant word. So we must address that up front. Once we do that, then we go right into the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Catholics worship another Jesus, they believe another gospel, and unfortunately they're led by another spirit. But Roman Catholics will be unwilling to let go of all they have been told they must do to save themselves until they know that Christ has done it all. And we must point out the sufficiency of Christ. He did everything necessary to save sinners completely and forever. We see in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, he canceled the eternal sin debt. It was nailed to the cross. So by pointing out the sufficiency of Christ, Catholics will be more willing to let go of what they're doing. And the third uh, most important thing as we witness to Catholics, we must share the promise of the gospel. It is eternal, everlasting life with the Savior. See, Roman Catholics do not have eternal life. They have conditional life. Whether or not a Catholic gets to heaven depends on what they do rather than what Christ has done And we know there can never be assurance until all of their faith is put in Christ. And so I think a good verse to take Catholics to as we witness to them is 1 John 5.13, where John writes to those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know here and now that we have in our possession eternal everlasting life with the Savior So, Jesse, those three things are most important to cover as we witness to Roman Catholics, and hopefully um, 
by hearing this, uh, many of your listeners will become more effective witnesses to this huge mission field. Oh, I'm certain they will. This is very helpful. And just to, to recap, the centrality of the word there, the sufficiency of Christ, and the promise of the gospel. Um, on that subject of witnessing, evangelizing uh, to Roman Catholics, Mike, is it is it helpful or wise to avoid certain topics in sharing the gospel with the Catholic? And, and if so, what would those topics be? Yeah, another good question, because oftentimes we will find ourselves going off on different rabbit trails that Roman Catholics will take us on. And we need to be reminded, we need to keep coming back to Christ and his work on the cross. In fact, I love what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. He said, I'm determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what we need to be aware of as we witness to Catholics. It is a very complex religion. And Catholics will often take you places that you don't really need to go. Just keep coming back to the cross and what Christ accomplished at Calvary's cross. If Catholics want to talk about unrelated issues such as Mary or the Pope or Catholic saints or church history, kindly say we can talk about that later. But first, let's talk about what Christ accomplished by his death and resurrection Another thing to remember is to avoid using your own words, which have no power or authority. Use the inspired word of God and show them scriptures from their own Bible if they have one. And this might surprise some of your listeners, but the Roman Catholic Church has the same 66 books of the Bible. They've added the Apocrypha, but we don't need to go there. And the reason I encourage people to use the Catholic Bible when they're witnessing to Catholics is they're they're told not to trust anything from outside their church. Don't trust any Protestant Bibles. So you've eliminated that obstacle if you will open their Bible and point them to the scriptures that will bring forth life when the Holy Spirit brings illumination and conviction of sin. Hmm. And just a reminder, going back to your own testimony, you said that uh, it was Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right, that you were wrestling with. And so that's going to be in that Catholic Bible that that the person you're witnessing to has. So go to a, a verse like that and and help them see what it means to be saved by grace through faith, and then maybe let them go back to their priest and ask that question the way you had asked yours, and, and just see what the Lord does and what the Spirit does in bringing about that conviction. Yeah, I'm rem- reminded of a mission trip I took down to Alcapoco, and I went into the cathedral, and I saw that there was a Bible on a kneeler in front of a statue of the Virgin Mary. And so I knelt down on the kneeler and I turned to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and I highlighted those two verses with my highlighter. And I just wanted Catholics to do the same thing, to kneel down and to focus on those two verses, because those two verses have set so many Roman Catholics free from the nature of deception of doing um, good works in order to get to heaven. Right, right. So, so broadening this out a little bit, Mike, um, what advice would you have for Christians who know they should be sharing the gospel, whether with Catholics or otherwise, but are fearful of doing so? Well, first, I would want to know what they're afraid of. Are they afraid of harming a relationship or losing a friend? What is there to be afraid of? We're sharing the greatest news that anyone could ever hear about the greatest gift they could ever receive. So, We should be encouraged. We should be sharing this with joy, knowing that it won't harm a relationship because 
again, the nature of deception is those who are lost don't even know it until they're confronted with the truth. And and that's what we're called to do, to present the gospel, the greatest news they could hear. Eternal life is the greatest gift anyone could ever receive. It is the forgiveness of sins and a right standing before God forever. Proverbs 29.25 tells us that the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So if we have any fear, we should be fearing the Lord, knowing that he has given us all the great commission. And a lot of Christians, unfortunately, believe that the great commission is given to those who have been gifted with the gift of evangelism. But no, the great commission is for every believer. It's a command for all of us to obey And it's a way for us to demonstrate our love to our Savior. There's another thing I would ask is about their fear. Is there a fear of not knowing the gospel well enough? And whenever I give evangelism training, I ask people, what's keeping you from being a more effective witness for the Lord Jesus? And the most common response is we don't feel like we know the gospel well enough. Well, that's why we've developed some excellent resources that help Christians go deeper into the gospel so they can share it with joy and excitement. And one of our gospel tracts that we have produced contains only scripture. And I divided the gospel into six parts and they would be God's perfection. He is holy. Man's problem. All have sinned. God's provision. A savior. Man's part is to repent and believe. God's promise is eternal life, and man's privilege is to serve the king. And so under each one of these headings, you see all the scriptures that support those six divisions of the gospel. And so for those who are not confident they know the gospel well enough, this is a great outline for them to look at the scriptures and share with those they're witnessing to. And and Jesse, I really believe um, that we should all carry gospel tracts with us because Oftentimes, when we give the gospel verbally and we don't leave anything behind in written form, people will forget what they've heard. But if you give them the scriptures, they can look in their own Bible and they can verify that the source of the Word of God is indeed in their Bible as well. So we just need to remind them that um, we need to be sharing the gospel because there's no fear of failure when you give the gospel. And That might surprise some people, but we are successful every time we give the gospel with clarity and completeness. I often compare it to the the role of a mailman. He's responsible for delivering the mail to everybody on his route. He's not responsible for them answering the mail. And so we are responsible as ambassadors for Christ to deliver the message of the gospel to those people in our circle of influence. We're not responsible for how they respond In fact, we're only responsible from taking the word of God from the pages of scripture to their ear, and then God has to take it from their ear to their heart. So fear of failure should never be a reason not to give the gospel. We're successful when we give it to those that we love. Amen. Amen. What what, what a uh, powerful reminder and illustration to just deliver the mail, you know, trust the spirit to do his work in in con- convicting and, and 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 or converting and just see what the Lord does and what a what a reminder of God's sovereignty and salvation, but at the same time our responsibility to proclaim that message that that singular message of hope for the world the, the gospel of grace 
and Mike, my uh, the church here that I serve, Indian Hills, they're 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 already going to know that I love that you've alliterated your gospel points. I'm I'm quite renowned around here for alliterating alliterating my sermon points. So they're going to know that I'm smiling with a big smile on my face that you've got the six P's there in your gospel tract. That's right. I love my P's. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of resources, how can our listeners learn more about you and proclaiming the gospel ministry? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we do want to equip the body of Christ with our resources. I've written a book called Preparing for Eternity, and it is a book that is laid out in the very way that God saved me, presenting the truth right alongside the false teaching of Catholicism. And this book has set so many Catholics free from the bondage of religious deception. I've written it for a twofold purpose. Number one, to equip those who are reading it to be effective in their witness to Catholics. But also, it's a book that you can give to Roman Catholics because it's written in the spirit of love and compassion. And uh, Catholics, again, that have read it have uh, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and all of his sufficient work. Another book I've written is Contending for the Gospel. We have eight different gospel tracts, and three of them are dedicated to reaching Catholics, and the other five are for reaching anyone that's lost and perishing. Mm. Uh, A set of gospel cards, I took the 12 most important words of the gospel, and on each card I define and explain with four bullet points what each word of the gospel means. And so, again, for those who want to go deeper into the gospel, this would be an excellent resource for them. We began our ministry sharing videos, and we have 15 different DVDs that people can use to not only equip themselves, but to invite Catholics over, to invite friends over, and just to sit down and watch the DVDs and then answer their questions. So, All of these are available at our website, proclaimingthegospel.org, and they can also be obtained by emailing us, info at proclaimingthegospel.org, or even calling us at 817-379-5300. We do this ministry 24-7. We're always available. We answer every email and answer every phone call. So it's our joy to equip the body of Christ for this most important work. And Jesse, I just thank you for the privilege of being on your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. This has been incredibly helpful and I, I'm sure going to be very edifying for our listeners. And uh, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure we get a, a few copies of uh, Preparing for Eternity ordered. And we're going to give those away to those who uh, like and share and uh, get this, this podcast ep- episode spread far and wide. Mike, thank you again for joining us uh, on the podcast. Thank you for blessing us with your wisdom on these topics. The, the final word, as always, on our podcast goes to God in his word in 2 Timothy 1.13, where he says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Thank you all for listening. We hope you've benefited from this episode and hope you'll join us again next time on the Sound Words Podcast.